Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 178 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Paul Goodyear, Paul lives in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, which is in Canada, and he is a registered pharmacy technician there. And he just told me before we started recording, today is his one-year fast-aversary. That's what we say in the intermittent fasting world, a fast-aversary. I had to teach my phone how to spell that, Paul. Like I would try to <laughs> type in happy fast-aversary, and it would always try to autocorrect it. But my phone now knows how to spell it. But welcome, Paul. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm happy to be here. 
nice to, I would say see you, but technical glitches, we don't have that opportunity. Yeah, you can't <laughs> see me. I can only see myself and you can't see me. So it's like I'm just talking to a mirror, but <laughs> I'll try not to look at myself. So, you know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? And of course, we know today's your one year fast anniversary. We're recording this in September a few months before it comes out. But you mentioned when we were talking before I started recording that you actually dabbled in it prior to the day that it stuck, which was a year ago today. So tell us the whole story. Yeah, so I can go back about maybe five years, I guess 2015, that'd be six years old, Christmas of 2015. I got a Fitbit, I wanted to get fitter. I was at my max weight at that point that I know of which is, I don't mind saying numbers, so if you want numbers, so I can say them. Yeah, go ahead. It helps people to put it into context. Yeah. So my number at that point was 350.2 pounds. It was quite massive. Yeah. <laughs> I was pretty sore. So I got a Fitbit. I was gone back to school to do a pharmacy technician. I decided to walk more and do those 10,000 steps and all that. I used to be a cyclist way back when, so I was a lot fitter. I just didn't have access to a bike or time at that moment. So I started that, and I ended up losing over the last six months of the year, of the school year, the university year, I started losing. I lost like 80 pounds, but I was doing a lot of, not calorie counting, but watching what I was eating and strange things. Like a typical diet, right? Yeah, so you uh, feel bad after eating Chinese food for a night or whatever, and then the next day you don't really eat that much or stuff like that. And I obviously put it back on over the next couple of years, roughly around 2018. I was just walking at lunch at work. We had a trailway, an old railroad trail system, and I had an audible book. Jimmy Moore, I think it was. I think Jason Fong's the the complete guide to fasting. I was like, this is crazy. Like, who would not eat for five days or seven days at a time? Which I haven't done yet, anyway. Just to <laughs> put it out there. And I was like, this is unbelievable. But it was a Canadian doctor with all the specialists, diabetes, and all that. So I, was, I looked into it and. Another thing that came up was on Joe Rogan was Dr. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I think it's Atia, Peter Atia. Yes. He does longevity and he's, I don't know how old he is, but he looks very healthy for his age. I know he's he's a younger doctor by the looks of it. And he's brought up in intermittent fasting. So I tried it. I got about 18 hours in and I was starving, just starving. Like I was like, oh, I can't do this. Did it for a week, and I just dropped off. And not that I was weighing myself, I don't think, at that point. So that was around 2018. So you only did it for a week at that time? Yeah, it's just a try, but I couldn't really fit it in my schedule. I didn't really know how to fit it in my schedule at that point. So you were starving. Were you fasting clean by any chance? Uh, no, because I didn't know what that was. <laughs> we hear that so much. I mean, you know, you're a listener of the podcast, so you know. Yeah. When people try it and and they don't know about the clean fast because, you know, there's a lot of information out there that's like, have this, have that. You know, (laughs) someone tagged me in something on Instagram today that it was like, what can you have during the fast? And it was like a bunch of things that it was weird. It was the weirdest list I've ever seen. Like it said yes to diet soda, but no. I mean, anyway, it was weird. (laughs) But that does make you hungrier when you're having those things that stimulate the hunger. So you gave it a week. Yeah. So I didn't really give it a try. That's literally a dabble. Because it was, well, it's miserable if you're starving. 
yeah. And it's like, I can't do this for a long time. And I think motivation too, wasn't really there. So not that you need motivation to be a faster. It's pretty easy once you get into it, which we'll get into later. That was around 2018. So fast forward to roughly 2019, I got back up to about 330, 335 roughly pounds. So it still felt horrible. And then family consequences that my life situation changed. And I ended up wanting to get back into cycling because I used to race road bicycles back when I was in my young 20s. I'm 30. What age am I now? 37. <laughs> Starts to roll together. <laughs> You'll forget. I'm like that. I'm like, what? What am I? 52? How old's my husband? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm 37. So like 14 years ago, I was racing. I got a bike actually during the pandemic. So when did the pandemic start? Here it started in Nova Scotia. I mean, it was going around the world at the same time, but Nova Scotia really picked up in March of 2020. I was working because I work in a pharmacy. I was terrified because you don't know, we didn't know what was going on at the time. Oh, no, we didn't. It was so scary. Yeah. So I was like, I got to get a bike. So everything was closed. The bike shops here were open, but you had to book an appointment. I was like, oh, I'll just wait a couple of weeks like everyone else. Everything's going to be back to normal in a couple of weeks. And then I realized it wasn't back to normal. So I called the bike shop and they helped me organize getting a bike. It took a couple of weeks to get the bike in. They set it up for me. I ended up getting what's called a smart trainer. It makes your bike a stationary bike. Oh, I know what those are. So you can either take it out on the road and ride it or you can mount it and just ride it inside, right? Yeah, ride it inside and go nowhere. Go a long way, but don't move your living room. (laughs) (laughs) And I started that with a program called SWIFT, Z-W-I-F-T. And what it does, it's a virtual world that you're riding in with thousands of people all over the world. And it sends information to my trainer, which tells it how hard to make my bike go and how soft to make my bike go depending on if you're going uphill downhill if you're in a training program so i did that and when i weighed in for the first time at that i was 329 and that so that was the end of april by the time i got that all set up and i did that i wasn't fasting at this point yet i did that until about the end well i guess right now of last year so the end of august and i ended up losing i was down to about 280 and it was decently all right but i noticed i was getting a plateau so i was listening to your podcast if yours and melanie's podcast too and i was like i'll give this a go but i was like hush hush about it because when you're trying to lose weight you don't really want to tell people people knew i was losing weight because they could obviously see it but they just thought it was all cycling which it was at that point and eating a little bit better so then i started and i was like i'll just do i think i start with 16 8 16 hours of fasting, eight hours. And I started at it and I switched to black coffee. Now I don't know how I did that, but I did. And now that's all I can drink. I actually had cream in my coffee the other day as a treat and I didn't like it. (laughs) Not as much as I used to. So I was like, I just won't even bother. So I started then and I was 280. And right until February, I just. I lost another 50 pounds, so it was 230, and I'm still 230 now, so I never really lost or gained weight, which is good in a way and bad in a way. I'll tell you a couple things that happened during that time. So you lost 
50 pounds once you added intermittent fasting to the cycling. Yeah. So prior to that, you'd lost about 50 before the intermittent fasting. Yeah, 40 or 50. Then you added intermittent fasting and lost another 50. So 100 from that, about 100 yeah. to that, because you were at 329 and then you are down to 230. So yeah, right at, oh, 99, 90, so close. <laughs> yeah, uh, actually, I got down to at one point 225. So I was okay. over like 100. And then I remember my highest weight was like five years ago, if you want to go back that far. Yeah. So when people ask me how much weight I've lost, I'm like, well, what do you want to know What from what date? <laughs> when right. was the last time you really noticed me? When did you hit that 50 pounds down with intermittent fasting? So it would be roughly February, I think it was. So from August to February. Yeah, so end of 1st of September to February. I was losing about 8 to 10 pounds a month. And I was biking at the time, too. But what I like to say is biking helps me gain strength in my conditioning because you don't really burn that many calories. Not that everything's about calories and intermittent fasting help regulate how my body was burning fat. Yeah, that's very true. So we need to move our bodies to be healthy, right? Yeah. You had great success just adding in the cycling, but you were kind of also watching what you were eating, but not counting, just kind of watching. Yeah. And then when you switched to intermittent fasting, end of August, beginning of September, how did that impact your eating? Did you relax your eating a little bit or did you stick with still trying watching what you were eating? I'm pretty relaxed. I pretty much eat what I see. It's like the old the same, seafood diet. Seafood diet. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm living by myself. I do have a six-year-old daughter. She's with me part-time. But I'm living by myself, so it's like being a bachelor again where you just eat whatever you want when you want yeah so that's another thing i i say my average fasting time now is or over the whole year was roughly like a 19 20 5 4 or whatever right mm -hmm. but i do go as low as 13 hours of fasting and then as high as i did a 48 hour and i did a couple 40 hours which I find really good, especially in the winter when it's all more uh, regimented when I'm inside on my trainer. But when I'm outside on the open road biking, I don't want to take a risk of not having enough nutrition in my body. Because I go for a couple weeks ago, I did a 230-kilometer bike ride. Wow. That's a lot. That's roughly, I think it's 60 miles per 100 kilometers. So that's about, what, 130 miles, I think? Something like that. Yeah. Yep. And that That's took me a like lot. 10 hours of riding time, but it was fine. It's just, I just made sure I ate, I adjusted my window so that I actually started my ride while I was fasted, but I made sure that two hours into my ride, I made sure I put enough food in me so I wouldn't bonk because I did yeah. that before. Didn't want to bonk. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to bonk <laughs> in the middle of nowhere and have to call someone to rescue me in the middle of nowhere away. Yeah, definitely not. Well, that's awesome. So you just you basically usually fast for 19 to 20 hours, but sometimes you'll throw in a longer one. Yeah, I get that from Roxy, too. So it was the mealless Monday. Mm -hmm. I did a couple of those. And the first time I actually did it, I ended up it ended up, I think, being a Monday, but it wasn't lined up with mealless Monday at all. It was I had an appointment after work. I realized I didn't eat supper, and I was like, I'm not really that hungry. I'll just wait till tomorrow, and it ended up being like a 40, 44-hour fast. I can't remember which one that one was, and I didn't have any Mel 
feelings or anything. I felt really good. I slept well the second night, which some people say they don't sleep well, but I slept well. And I just waited till, and I was productive at work the next day. And I waited till lunch when everyone else had their lunch and had lunch with them. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Awesome. So it, it was no big deal. It just happened by accident. Yeah. We hear that. And people are always like, what? How could it? <laughs> but if you're feeling good and you're not hungry and your body is tapping into your fat stores well, then you're well-fueled and you can just keep going. Yeah. So everyone says they have a real big buzz of energy. I don't feel like I'm a high buzz, but I don't get it like a real low. I used to like to nap a lot in the afternoons or yeah. late evenings. I still do that if you ask my mom when I go to their house, but I think it's because I'm at my parents' home, and then no matter how old you are, when you're at your parents' home, it just like you're always comfortable there. <laughs> right, that's true. So you just fall asleep on the couch, no matter if something's going on or whatever. I don't get that as much as people say I have a high vibe. I believe them. What I find is there's around 14, 15 hours. I get this. It's not horrible now because I know what it is, but it's like, it's the iron taste or it's the ketones. Yep. It's like a metallic taste. In the first couple of days I had, I was like, oh, this is horrible. <laughs> and then you don't even really notice it anymore, right? I think your body just gets used to it or how it's using the ketones is what I understand from the readings I did. Yeah, that you're not excreting as many because your body knows to prioritize them. So you're not using them as a waste product as much, but you're still, you know, you still taste it here and there, but it's not as pronounced once your body becomes adapted. Yeah. That's also one of the reasons why measuring your ketones can be so tricky for people long term, because as our bodies become better at using them, 
we have fewer hanging around to be measured. So even in the keto world where they're, you know, in ketosis for and eating a keto diet, they find that their level of ketones, the measurable level of ketones goes down over time. Because our body's like, oh, these are valuable. Let's use them up instead of waste them. What my understanding of Dr. Jason Fong is from watching his videos and reading his books was that you just get, like you said, more efficient. And then your body just, well, you're not storing as many either. So you're built, you're just using them a little bit more efficient. Yeah. Exactly. So around 14 or 15 hours, you can kind of tell that you're having that metabolic switch. Yeah. But you don't feel like excessive energy you just don't feel like you need to nap as much unless you're at home with your parents yeah (laughs) that makes sense (laughs) no matter how old you get you can still be a mama's boy i guess (laughs) that's right well i hope so my boys are 21 and 23 of course this month my my younger one turns 22 so they'll be 22 and 23 briefly and then he just came to visit me i was at the beach for almost three weeks not quite but he came and spent a few days at the beach with me and it's true. You still want to also, as the mother on the other side of it, you were still, I'm still like mothering him. You know, I'm like, all right, now drive safely on your way home. And <laughs> oh, yeah, my, my dad has those sayings too. It's like drive safely. And we're in Canada. So we have, I mean, we don't have that cold of weather. We're like New England, I guess. Right. When it gets a little bit colder, my dad's always like, drive safe, don't drive too fast, and bridges freeze before roads. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, he's getting ready to leave, and I'm like, do you have your wallet? Do you have your driver's <laughs> license? And I'm like, you know, I fully understand that you lived your whole life every day without me asking you if you have your wallet. So. <laughs> Sorry, it's just old habits die hard because he's about to drive for, you know, almost four hours. I want to make sure he has his wallet. Anyway, <sighs> Sorry, kids, we can't help ourselves. That's a mom for you. So when do you, you normally eat dinner? Is that how does your day look on a normal day? Like, and I know you said that you switch it up, but just on an average day. So most days I eat like a dinner or I call it supper up here and locally we call it supper. Sometimes it's I get off work on my longer days. I get off work at 6 p.m. So by the time I get home, it's like roughly seven. And in the summer when I was biking, I would hop either stop at the coffee shop and buy a bagel and then get on my bike so I have enough energy. And then once I was done with my biking, if I felt like eating something, I'd eat something. And then it usually closes sometimes a couple hours later or sometimes just until I go to bed. I remember Melanie always says she just opens it later and then she doesn't have to worry about when it closes. Yep. If I know something's going on the next day, like at work, someone has a birthday, we always get a birthday cake or I know things aren't always important when you see donuts left out, but it's nice to share those common celebrations with your coworkers. So I make sure I at least shift it. So I try to get the at least the 16 hours. And if I have to, I go down to 13 hours. But my average, like over the week, is usually roughly 20 hours a day. Yeah, I think that's just really the the beauty of it. You know, when, when you have a special celebration, I remember when I was still teaching and, you know, we would have special days and special treats. And the opportunity is always there to say, yes, today I'm just going to open my window early. If it's window worthy, if it's something that you would like to eat and no guilt. And then there were the other days when I'm like, you know, if I eat this cake or whatever it is, this special 
sweet treat. We had sweet treats every Friday. If I eat this now, I'm going to feel tired later this afternoon, so I'm going to take it home. You know, the whole delay, don't deny an action, and I would save it for later in my eating window and just wait. But sometimes you want to have that celebration with people, and that is okay. It's because we're not dieting, we're not locked into a protocol where you're cheating or anything. It's not cheating. It's just that's how you're living your life flexibly. No, I, I like the saying that you say all the time. I don't know if it's you that says it, but you bring it up all the time. It's not what you eat. It's when you eat. It's not a diet because it, it isn't. It's just you can eat literally, like like I said, seafood. Not seafood, I said fish, but whatever you see, you eat. I don't suggest like eating donuts all the time or eating a bag of chips every day or that. But sometimes if you have a rough week, maybe that's what you feel like eating is a bag of salty chips. You might just need the salt or whatever in your system and you might be craving it. Exactly. Just go and eat it because if not, you'll just like any other thing, you just gorge on it later. So you just have fun with your food. Have fun with your food and have fun with your life. You gotta you gotta be positive about things. Exactly. And that's the beauty of intermittent fasting, as you said. Intermittent fasting is when you eat, and then the what is up to you. And a lot of us find that our tastes for food really change over time. I shared that I had just been at the beach for almost three weeks, and, you know, I did some eating out, but I also was very happy to not eat out all the time. You know, and the, the kind of restaurants I used to want to go to don't have the same appeal that they used to have. Does that mean I'm never going to eat fries at a restaurant again? No. I had fries at a restaurant while I was there, but... One night instead of, you know, I was at a restaurant and instead of fries, I had potato salad because I was like, I just don't want anything fried. I'm like, who am I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't eat another thing that's fried. My body was telling me no. So, but before I would have just had it, had it, had it, you know, because I was at the beach and it was vacation and I was, so it's up to you. The what you eat is your choice, but has your taste in food changed at all? <laughs> I always like pickles. But man, can I go through the pickles? I don't know if it's the what it is, but when I go to my parents, they have a bottle of pickles on the table. I most people have like two or three pieces. I have like ten or fifteen pieces of pickles. <laughs> I even got two nephews. My brother has two little little guys. One's two and one's four. And the little guy, he was pointing at the table. We didn't know what he wanted, and we're like point pick grabbing everything. I'm like he wants the pickles. He wants the pickles, and he never had them before. And everyone was like, "Oh, this is gonna be a joke. He's just gonna make a squinty face." And he took it and he ate them. And now every time I pull out the bottle, he wants the bottle. He wants to have one with me. That's so. great. His uncle Paul was having pickles. He wanted to have some yeah. too. <laughs> Maybe your body's craving the salt. Yeah, I think that's what it is because every time I look, it's salt. And I did try that LMNT stuff or element. Yeah, I always want to call it LMNT also because that's how it's spelled out, the element electrolytes. Yeah, so I tried that and some of those flavors are really good. And that helps me when I'm biking to avoid cramping, I noticed. So it is a decent product and you can get it a free trial or whatever. I'm not, I know we're not just, I don't think we're supposed to promote stuff, but <laughs> that's all right. That's through intermittent. They sponsor the intermittent fasting podcast. And so, yeah, they have a lot of different flavors. The raw unflavored is the one that I would recommend during fasting. And then the flavors, you know, if your window's open, then they're, the flavors are great for that. Melanie is a big fan of those. Oh yeah. She likes them. She does. I'm not someone who needs a lot of electrolyte supplementation. That's just me. I also, though, very generously salt my food during my eating window. 
I always have. And I use like a, um, you know, a natural salt, not the Himalayan salt, but I can't remember real salt. I think the one that that's from the United States, they mine it over there somewhere in the West. And that's the one I use. I also drink mineral water, like, you know, San Pellegrino during the fast. So I'm getting minerals through that. So I don't, I don't need to add them. But some people really do need a little electrolyte supplementation in their day. So that's a good option. So other than the pickles, your taste in food haven't really changed yet? No, I was pretty easy, open eater. I wasn't fussy at all. If they used to have this saying, like, I don't know if it was commercial back, if it was down the States, but it was like, if Mikey don't like it, oh, no yeah. one's going to like it. So that was they, life cereal. When when I used to grow up, it was, if Paul don't like it, I'm not even going to eat it. So <laughs> they would just give it to me to try. And even if I liked it, but I gave like a little sour pot or something like that. My oldest brother, he's fussier than anything. He wouldn't, he wouldn't even go near it. That's funny. So you were like the opposite of Mikey, though, because Mikey didn't like anything. Yeah. But you liked everything. I liked so you everything. Were the, yeah, that's great. <laughs> well, if Paul doesn't like it, then they don't. <laughs> I, I ate like a Mikey. I was one of those picky eaters. I was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to eat that. I don't know. I wish, wish I'd have been less picky. But my mother catered to my pickiness. And I, I guess if she hadn't, maybe I would have ventured out a little bit. But you know, then when I was a mother, I did the same thing. I catered to their pickiness. The good news is now they're both open eaters. So thank goodness. I didn't ruin them and turn no. them into <laughs> completely fussy eaters. You know? Most people grow out of it, but my brother's still fussy. But is he, How old is he? He's six years older than me, so he's 44. I think he just turned well, 44. That's kind of old to not be grown out of it yet. So <laughs> he probably isn't going to grow out of it. By this point, definitely not. So you like to cycle. Do you do anything else for working out or just do you cycle every day? Right now, my bike's in the bike shop because it's getting tuned up. But I cycle on average. When I look at my computer, it's about 20 kilometers a day. So about an hour. But with my work schedule and having my daughter, I do have a thing where I can attach her bike to my bike so we can go for little rides together. But my commute, I commuted to work about 10 or 15 times this year, and each way it's 44 kilometers, so 40 kilometers is 25 miles, so like 26, 27 miles each way. Uh, it takes me about an hour and 45 minutes each way, and then sometimes if, if it was a nice day, I would throw in an extra loop off another road and maybe add another 20 kilometers in, because my goal was to train to get up to these higher numbers and next year i want to get up to even higher numbers where i have like a 300 kilometer route planned and there's a group around here that do four and 600 kilometer rides wow that's just astonishing to me yeah so you take they're called randonneurs it started in paris i mean that's like the mecca of biking and it started in paris way back in the 1800s late 1800s there's one ride there. It's about 1,200 kilometers long, and you have about 80 hours to do it. Not that I'd probably ever be able to do that, but it's always a goal to work up to. You don't know until you actually push yourself. Your body's stronger than what you think it is until you give it a go. Yeah, that's right. So you mentioned earlier, you did a little teaser that you had been plateaued at 2.30. So I wanted to explore that and talk about that a little bit more. Do you want to lose more weight? How's your your body as far as like leanness? Do you think that you're seeing body recomposition and maybe building muscle? Because you're doing a lot of working out. So Yeah, so 
what I use the way is a Fitbit scale. So it does my weight, basic weight, and then it does the percentage of body fat, and it gives a BMI, which, I mean, you can get BMI just by looking it up. But So I don't know how accurate the fat percentage is, but it's consistent because I use the same system, and I have it in the same place in my apartment. Like, I don't... I get on it at the same time a day. So one of the facts I got here that I looked in my spreadsheet, I have a huge spreadsheet like you said you did when you did oh, yours. Oh, yeah, I did. So one of the interesting things was, because I was kind of getting like a little bit disappointed, like my weight just all of a sudden plateaued. And I was noticing changes, like my body composition up on the top was getting a lot stronger because I'm outside, so you're using more upper body strength to cycle. In February of 2020, my weight was 226.2 pounds and my percentage of body fat was 19.3%. So then in June, June 23, so March, April, May, June, four months later, my body weight went up by 2.7 pounds to 2289 and my body fat went down 3.23% to 16.08%. There you go. So... The more amazing thing out of that is I lost 6.87 pounds of fat, but I gained 9.5 pounds of lean body, whatever lean body mass is. (laughs) I mean, I know it's everything from bone, muscle, and stuff like that, but it just shows you that, like, just because the scale says, if I would have just had a basic scale, I'm like, I've been doing this for four months, I'm up three pounds, what's going on? So you got to take that with a grain of salt. And also, I looked up, I was just curious, like, for the percentage, like, most people know what BMI is, and if you're over, I think it's 30, you're obese, so technically, I'm still, because I'm, I'm 5'10", I say, I'm probably 5'9", and three quarters. I'm still technically, by clinical standards, obese. In order to get to healthy weight or healthy range, I still got to lose, like, 50 pounds, which I don't know where that's going to come off of me at. I'm sure I can lose like another 20 or 30 pounds easily, but I looked online. So I was obese on one chart and then I went to healthy, like a fat percentage chart, like a range for my age range and it says I'm healthy lean. So you look at one chart and it's saying I'm obese and then I'm looking at another chart and it's saying I'm lean. I'm like, no wonder people get confused. You know, I just pulled up just, I did a real quick Google search and I typed in healthy body fat percentage men. And it said, okay, that got the category athletes, six to 13% body fat. Yeah. Fitness, 14 to 17%. So you're right there in the fitness category. You're just barely below athlete. Acceptable would be 18 to 24%. And obesity would be greater than 25%. So that's just an indication right there of the flaws within the BMI scale. Some people are like, you should throw a BMI out, never look at it. It's not even, I mean, I'm not that person. They're definitely it can help you with some ideas. Like when people are like, I'm losing too much weight. I feel like I'm losing too much weight. I'm like, well, let's look at your BMI. Are you in a healthy range or below a healthy range? It can be a tool. But your example is a prime example of the flaws because 16.08% body fat, you're in the fitness level. You are definitely not obese. So Yeah, and I think I'm a little bit lower than that now. I'm like 15 point something now. Yeah. (laughs) 
You're really close to the athlete range, so throw away that BMI for you. You know, a lot of the Olympic athletes, for example, you know, we know they're athletes. They show up as obese because of their lean body mass being so high. Yeah, and some of them are uh, like morbidly obese, and I think there's like five categories, and some went up to like four, class four, the higher the number, the worse you are, apparently, but... And you look at them and it's like they're as fit as a whistle and they can do whatever they like. Like solid muscle. Yeah. 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 So you're a great indication. Your stats teach us a lot of things, but they teach, number one, you can't just rely on that BMI scale. And also, it's so important to really look at your body composition. And you mentioned before about whether those are reliable or not. And there's pros and cons about those, too. You know, some of those at-home scales can be not quite off or not quite off you know, as far as accuracy. But the fact that you can see the changes, they're supposed to be, even though the accuracy might be off, like as far as the percentage goes, it shows, I'm not explaining it well, if it's going down, it's going down. Like that part is reliable. Yeah. Like the, the consistency the yes. or... Yes. Yeah. Was it accuracy over... Oh, I forget now what the word is. I know what it is. I know. I had to study all that when I was learning statistics in, it's like, <laughs> in uh, school. With diabetic machines, there's accuracy, but then there's – it's not consistency, but it's the same type of concept where it's – Right. If you know you're – like when you talk about blood sugars, if your blood sugars are a little bit high on this computer or glucose monitor, if they're always high and that's your normal level, like a little bit high, then you're, you're probably fine just that machine might – read a little bit higher than your old it needs, machine. It might be just calibrated a little off, a little bit right? Different, so, but it's more yeah. about the consistency and how you feel. Exactly. Yep. So yeah, how about health changes? Have you had any any big health changes over time? Yeah. Uh, so I luckily I have a really good doctor. I had him for a couple of years now and he got not that he got me into cycling, I was into cycling, but he told me about Swift, and I kind of knew about it, and he's in Swift, and he's actually one of my friends on Swift, so I always joked last year, I was like, I can't get away with going to my doctor and saying, <laughs> I did this, because he can just literally pull up the app in our appointment and be like, I didn't see any of your stats for that day. That's great. Not that he did that, but it was just a like another accountability, and you give each other, they're called ride-ons, it's like thumbs up or a like on Facebook, and when you go on, you can, like once in a while, I see my doctor give me a like up and or a ride on, and then I give him rides on. He does more running on it than biking, but so that's good. But anyways, my a uh, couple years ago, I was never on any medication for anything. I probably should have been on high blood pressure, but I was a younger gentleman, so and he knew what my goals and stuff, so he didn't put me on anything. But my blood pressure is in the normal range. My cholesterol's in a normal range. I just had blood work done about three weeks, or not three weeks ago, sorry, three months ago. And everything was within the normal range. But before that, pretty much all the standard stuff was maybe not unhealthy, but it was up in the... It was elevated. Yeah, elevated. And then he checked my resting heart rate, which I kind of knew because I've been wearing Fitbit for five or six years now. I kind of knew what it was, but he actually... Got the same number as me. He had to, he had to check it like three times with the, just like the finger on the wrist. And he said, it depends on when I start counting the beat, it's either my resting heart rate, it's either 48 or 50. When we checked it a long time ago, it was like up in the 80s. Wow, that's huge. I remember his quote as he said, he goes, 
well, you got your athlete heart back again. I was like, God, (laughs) (laughs) that's huge. I mean, that really is. That's such a sign, such a good positive health marker, you know, because you you are you're an athlete. You're in that fitness level with your body fat and you are you're out there doing that bike riding every day. So that heart is strong. Yeah, I just I have a computer on my thing that tells me my speed and everything. But now I, I learned over the summer just to go by feel and I can kind of know what my heart's doing. I'm not like back in the day, you're going by racing and you had to train with other people and which is fun to go riding with other people anyway. But I had to if, if someone wanted to race faster that day, no matter if it's like this doesn't make any sense. Why are we riding so hard? You still had to keep up with them or you're or you lost the race. Right. I didn't win that many races, by the way, but <laughs> I had fun at them. And if you didn't keep try to keep up with the person in front of you, you, you didn't you didn't make it. <laughs> well, that, I, I love what you just said that those two words in there, you had fun. And that's the key for finding something that you love to do for the, the exercise. Yeah, it needs to be fun. It needs to be something you enjoy or you're not going to stick with it. For me, you know, when I was at the beach, I walk on the beach every day and it's fun. I enjoy doing that. You know, we went kayaking. That's fun. Oh, it's nice. Oh, it was so nice. Oh, I realized my arms are terribly out of shape, though. No. Oh, my <laughs> Lord. I went with Sherry, who she was episode, I think, nine of this podcast. And she's yeah, my co-host she's for, your co-host for Life, on Lessons. Life Lessons. Yeah. yeah. And, and she's turned into a great friend of mine. But she came for four nights at the beach. And we were kayaking. And we were going to do it for two hours. And we did it for almost two hours. But as soon as we'd been doing it for like three minutes, I was like, oh, I'm a little out of shape. My arms. <laughs> yeah, as long as you don't get too far away from the shore. <laughs> we didn't. We stayed around. We were in the Merle's Inlet. So we were in the oh, inlet okay. the whole time. We didn't actually go out into the ocean. Uh, <laughs> but it was really nice. We stayed close to the the reeds and everything. But I was like, yeah, I really need to do more for my upper body strength. I realized it. And, you know, now that I'm on the other side of menopause, maintaining my muscle mass is, is more important than ever. Yeah. You know, so that we age well. So it's important no matter what age you are, actually, I think. <laughs> well, you're right. That is not wrong. It just, as you get older, the key to aging well, because I've seen now I'm in, I'm in a different category than you. You're still in that, you know, 37 young adult, right? (laughs) I'm in the aging side of it on the other side of menopause. So I want to age well, which feels so weird to say. Here I am in the aging (laughs) side of it. (laughs) I remember when my grandmother was this age and so I'm like grandmother age, which is so weird, but you're having fun. You're, You're choosing something you do that you love. Yeah, yeah. It's when you go on those long rides, like I was on the bike for 10 hours there two weeks ago. It was a 12 hour day because I stopped and I had lunch and I take my time. And people ask, How do you do it? And I'm like, Well, you just, not to be rude, but you literally, you just pedal. I mean, you got to have fitness behind it. You got to have some fitness behind it, but you literally just pedal. If you're not pedaling, you're not going forward. So, right. <laughs> yeah. So, like, if I know I'm going on a really long day, if I've got a hill coming up, I literally just put in the lowest gear and I spin up it. If it takes five minutes to get up it instead of four minutes or takes 20 minutes to get up it instead of 10 minutes, I'm just saving my energy because I know I'm going to have a downhill and I'll probably have another uphill. But you just got to get back to it as long as you – it's a it's like a meditative state when you're out there. You're looking around, especially where I live – I think the quote or the statistic in Nova Scotia is you're never more than 70 kilometers away from the ocean. Oh, that's great. Yeah, we get some a little bit of inland where you can go up hills and see the trees and the lakes, and then you go down and 
you got the Bay of Fundy, which is, has the highest tides in the world. But then I came back over and I was on Chester Basin down, it's close, it's about 100 kilometers. I don't know if you know about the Blue Nose, the boat. I don't. Yeah, the world famous boat that didn't lose a race in its history and it's on one of our coins is where it was built down that shipyard and they built a second one there a couple of years ago. You're always close to this nature and it's so nice other than some cars are they can be rude once in a while but so nice just to get out in the fresh air and then you meet different people when you go like there's i remember riding up a road and the guy waved to me like i mean he wouldn't be anywhere as close to being a cyclist and he waved and said hi and how's it going and that community is always good to have <laughs> t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It's 3 o'clock somewhere. Time for a My Mochi ice cream snack. My Mochi ice cream is cool, creamy scoops of premium ice cream wrapped in sweet, pillowy dough. And get this, all of My Mochi's fabulous flavors like strawberry, mango, double chocolate, and cookies and cream are only around 80 calories per piece. Talk about a guilt-free, indulgent experience. Each box of My Mochi ice cream has six perfectly portioned, gluten-free mochis that are great for grab-and-go. So feel good while curbing your afternoon cravings or the midnight munchies. Yeah, you know who you are with the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream. Find My Mochi ice cream at Target or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you. That's good. So you like to you go out to the coast and ride along it? Yeah, so I do mostly road biking, but my bike can go on trails too. But that ride I was on a road, but it was mostly around the coast. I grew up close to the ocean. There's just something about the ocean. I love it. I'm, I'm back home today, and I came home yesterday, and it's so much quieter inland than it is by the ocean. You get used to the wind and the surf, and so I'm like, oh, it takes me a few days to adjust to the quietness of not being by the ocean. But there's just something, you know, that wind on your skin is different at the beach. Yeah, it's nice. We're not, like, right close where you can walk to the beach. We never grew up that close. We're off the inlet, but we're, like, a five-minute drive from the beach well, the air is still different when you're there. There's something different about it. It feels magical to me. Yeah. So have you had any non-scale victories other than the health victories? Well, obviously I feel better. When I say better, like less aches. Right. And pains. I have some, I don't know if it's psoriasis or not, but I had like some skin, dry skin that, on my legs, and that seemed to have mostly gone away. Also, I used to have, well, it's still the same thing. The aches was that I had one of my knees used to always be aching all the time. And now I don't have any problems with that because it's amazing when you think about it. Like, I know it's only 50 pounds, not only, I say only. <laughs> uh, it's 50 pounds that I lost fasting. But overall, in this whole process for the last year, since a pandemic started, I lost like well, I'll just say 100 pounds for rounding error. Right. And I remember I have a I have a cat, and I bought three cases of litter, and they were 14 kilograms. So that's 
like 30 pounds each. And I was, I couldn't even carry all three of them at once. I'm like, I used to carry this on me all the time. Yeah. Cause you're down 120 from your all time high. Oh yeah. From my all time high. Yeah. It's just, I have a belt from there and people are like, you gotta get rid of that belt. I'm like, I'm not getting rid of that belt. It literally goes all the way around, around to my back and it's almost onto my other side. So I got, wow. I got to thread it through like all the way through and you should see all the holes in it. <laughs> I love that. So how much has your waist measurement changed? Do you know? That's one thing. I know you do that question later. That's one thing I didn't do as I didn't take measurements, but obviously like a guy's pants are down by the waist. So, I mean, they're not exact, but I think my highest pair of pants was roughly a 50 waist. Now it's down. I got a 36 I can get into, but I don't find them the most comfortable. If I'm going to a place that's standing up, then I'll wear them. But about 38 to 40 is my weight, my comfortable pants now. That's awesome. That's a big change. Yeah. I know that feels really good. Yeah, they're not perfect. It's, it's not a perfect measurement. They've kind of... Just like women's clothing have had, has, has had a little vanity sizing, so has the man's waist size. Yeah, and then you get the different brands where it's like they got the elastic, not elastic waist, but they got the little bit of stretch put in them. <laughs> oh, my husband complains about that all the time because he's really slim and always has been. And so he's have has a terrible time, and he doesn't like all the stretchy. And he has a terrible time finding pants that fit him. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> stop complaining about that. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, we all have our challenges, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a different when you're naturally skinny like that. It's a different kind of challenge. And it's all different perspectives on life, different challenges, different people have different challenges. Just whatever side of the spectrum you're looking at, I guess. I took Will, my son that's 21, I took him shopping for pants recently because he was like wearing these pants and holes in the knees. I don't even know. How do you even get holes in the knees of your pants like he had? I have no idea. He's that kind of kid. But I mean, he's an adult now, but he's still. So I'm like, we're going to get you some pants without some holes. Yeah, even though he lives on his own, I'm like, I'm taking you shopping. So I took him shopping. And I mean, he's practically impossible to fit, which was, they just don't make clothes. And anyway, he does some intermittent fasting just naturally. He naturally lives the intermittent fasting lifestyle, and it's beautiful to watch. Yeah. I think my older brother, which is, I would never say that he would ever say that he does intermittent fasting, but I remember that he would never eat lunch and he never eats breakfast, but he always has coffee with a bunch of cream in it in the morning. So it's not like clean fasting, but he makes it through the day. And I noticed over the last few years, he lost, I don't know how much weight he lost. He wasn't that big of a guy anyway, but like he's leaned right up or slimmed right down, however you want to look at it. So I would say my brother does it and I didn't know. And I didn't realize that until like when I, put two and two together a couple weeks ago. I was like, I think my brother actually intermittent fasting without knowing it. Yeah. He's just a natural, he just doesn't need to eat all that food. And, you know, being at the beach with Will, my son, watching him, because he is just a complete intuitive eater. We went to dinner one night and he like ate two bites of his food. He's like, I'm just not really that hungry. I'm like, well, okay. He ate two bites and he took it home. Then he ate it at midnight or something. (laughs) But he was not going to eat when he didn't want to just because we'd ordered it just because it was there just because it was delicious he just didn't do it and so he never lost his natural satiety signals growing up which is pretty pretty incredible so i did do something right there (laughs) yeah because there's i remember like i listened to this podcast like religiously on thursday morning it comes in and luckily at work i can usually listen to it with my hip pods and i'm doing billing in the morning 
And I remember there was a lady, she was also on the fasting highway there with Graham down in Australia, talking about how she just literally asked healthy people what they did and observed them. Kind of sounded kind of creepy at first, but when I listened to her, it wasn't. And she was saying that people just don't eat lunch or don't eat breakfast, don't eat lunch. And when they have a bowl of soup, instead of using the whole spoon, they only use like half the spoon, which sounds like you'd be like a restricted type of eating, but just how they ate. So they didn't overeat right away. You're talking about Chantel Ray, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, I think so. That yeah. sounds. She's great. Yeah, she called them skinny eaters or something. Yeah. It was just interesting listening to it. And it was like, just point out obvious things that happen. But we, as a society, we got away from it. That's all. Yeah, it's true. And my neighbor, I've talked about this before on the podcast, my neighbor across the street, when I met her, she was like, when I told her, you know, what, what I did and intermittent fasting and explained it, she's like, oh, yeah, I never eat till two. That's just how I eat. <laughs> she's always been skinny. <laughs> so it is interesting to think about, you know, until we're conditioned to eat. And I, you know, even today, I still struggle with listening to my, I've had enough, you know, my satiety cues because the food is so good. Yeah. I want to eat it all because it's there. And I don't want to stop the pleasure of eating. So I have to physically say, no, that's enough. I'm going to stop eating now. And sometimes I don't always listen. So I am really always glad to hear from people that like my son and like Chantel, you know, interviewing the skinny eaters (laughs) and my husband, he doesn't eat if he, (laughs) but those of us that I think dieting really, honestly, the more we dieted, the better we got at ignoring our hunger and satiety. It like disconnected us from it completely. Yeah, I think it's because we're trying to like follow a regiment. We're like, oh, this guy or this lady tells me I got to eat or this system tells me I got to eat. But I don't really want to eat, but I got to eat. Not that I really didn't want to eat at all at one point, but (laughs) it's just one of those things that was just, just strange how they force. And even now when you look at how kids, and I'm not saying kids need to fast or anything, but it's like, well, you never fed them breakfast? I'm like, well, she didn't want, I offered breakfast, but she didn't want breakfast today. I know she's going to eat lunch or whatever later on. It's not going to be the end of the world. <laughs> yeah, I really think that's important. Really, we should never force the kid to eat if they're not hungry. That's a hard thing. So we've just been so programmed. You're like, give them a good breakfast. They must eat a good breakfast. I've t- I think I've told this story before as well. When my kids were in middle school, high school, they went to Davidson Fine Arts here in Augusta. And it was a magnet school that went from sixth grade to 12th grade. And at a certain point along the way, the county went complete free breakfast and lunch for everybody because it was just easier than, you know, there's a lot of poverty in our county. So then they would go to school and when it's, and I was like, well, you can eat breakfast at school if you want or not, whatever you want to do. <laughs> and the same with lunch, you know, eat it, don't eat it. It's totally up to you. And so they just got into the habit of eating or not eating. And I didn't even question them. At any time, if they'd said, I'm hungry, I would have provided something for them. But they didn't. So I'm like, I trust that they know when to eat and when not to eat. And that did work out really well. Yeah. They'll figure it out. I remember my mom saying that, too, when one of us wasn't eating that much. The doctor back then said, oh, don't worry. If They'll eat when they're hungry. Just offer it. To them. And if they don't want it, they, it's not going to be the end of the world. They're going to eat when they want to. Well, it was also like with even wearing a coat, for example. My husband and I would sometimes argue about that when they were little. He's like, make them put on a coat. And like, I mean, I bought him a coat. He has the coat. I figure if he's cold, he'll put on the coat. (laughs) That's the kind of mother I was. Wear the coat or don't wear the coat. If you don't, you're going to be cold. (laughs) 
and I won't care. You've got a coat. Anyway, it works out. I guess they learn, hey, I think I'll put on my coat and I'll eat some food when I'm hungry. Yeah. So is there anything that you struggle with? Not really. I know at the start, like, once you get into the routine, it's not even a routine as such. It changes every day. Well, not every day, but, like, it's malleable. So at first, it was just like, oh, I can't fit 16 hours in. And I'm like, I thought it was, quote, unquote, cheating when I cut it down to 13 hours for a couple of days because I had my daughter or I had something going on. But, no, just I used the Zero app. I just use it because I'm actually on, like, a streak, and I don't want to not use it because I don't want to, like, lose my streak. Oh, I get it. <laughs> but the only thing was at the start was just figuring out how to do it, and it it's more simple than what people want to think of it as being complete. Like, just stop eating at a certain time or stop eating when you want to stop eating, not even at a certain time. And then if you're used to it, you go for your 16, 18, 20, 23 hours, and then you start eating. And then once you're full – or you're done your window, you just close it and you stop eating until the next day. Yeah. Brad Pilon with his early work, Eat, Stop, Eat. That's just the best description of intermittent fasting I've ever heard. Eat, stop, eat. <laughs> that's a brilliant title. Or feast, fast, repeat. Yeah, fast, feast, repeat. <laughs> fast, there you go. Repeat. Sorry, I, that, I got it that's, wrong. Or that's okay. Well, because you you do it, it, it is fast, feast, fast, <laughs> feast, repeat. <laughs> I did listen to it on audible when it came oh, out. I've got to read my other book coming up soon. I've got to go to Atlanta in November. By the time this comes out, it, it will be done, and I will be glad because reading an audio book, man, that is not for <laughs> sissies. <laughs> oh, I'm not looking forward to reading it, but I'm going to. So. I can't wait for it to be over, as I said. So we are coming up on the end of our time together. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting, or what do you wish you knew when you first started? I'm going to say what everyone says. Take lots of photos, because I didn't do that. So that's basic uh, measurements, photos. Look up Jason Fong, you, Jen Stevens. They already know you if they're listening to this. And Melanie the basic, once you start with those three, you'll get into a group of people to listen to and to read and to follow up. And just keep it simple. Don't get too fancy on how you do it. I mean, you can get as fancy as you want, but it doesn't need to be as fancy. You can just keep it simple and go with the flow. Because what we learned from the pandemic, if we get too strict on everything, it gets a lot worse. So It backfires, it backfires. right? But just keep it simple. And if you need help, there's the Facebook group, like people are willing to help. Just you just got to ask a question. You might not have a face-to-face photo, but I'm sure if you had a question, you can always ask one of the moderators there and they will help and people will be able to answer your questions. Yep, absolutely. And the Delay Don't Deny Intermittent Fasting Support Group, there's an Ask a Moderator thread every day. And even though I am no longer on Facebook, which is so nice to go on vacation or go to the beach or live my life and not have to check in every minute. I loved all the work that I did, so I'm not complaining about that. It's been awesome, but it's nice. Anyway, but the moderators are there. There's always a moderator to answer your question, and there is really no question too big or too small or even a question they haven't heard before. (laughs) They will answer it with a smile. 
I always get back to you quite quickly. I had to ask a couple questions. Either they got back or someone else on the group got back right away. So. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about this just the other day. We have a moderator chat. Even though I'm not on Facebook, I still, you know, I'm in the moderator chat. And I'll sometimes if something stumps one of the moderators, they'll say, you know, how should I answer this? Or what should we say? Or here's one that's a little unusual. What do we tell them? And they were talking about how there were some very enthusiastic members lately that were not moderators, but they were answering the questions. And, and we love that. We love when the, the members help each other out as well. And, you know, if someone gives advice that isn't in line, we will gently correct it. But, you know, the moderators love what they're doing, and I love them. They are the best group of women and men out there, and the members are also pretty amazing. So Yeah, it's really nice. Also, just find an activity other than going around food to help you out from day to day. Like, I, I like cycling. Someone might like reading. Someone might like doing cross-stitch. Just find some activity. Cause you don't want to be your whole life to be surrounded by, like, just by food and food thoughts. So just go out and find an interest that might be something new or something old, like I did, dug up in a, in a dusty cave. and Stay go, busy. Stay busy. Well, Paul, thank you so much. It's been great to connect with you today, and thank you for telling your story. And again, happy one-year anniversary! Thanks. I look forward to the next year. <laughs> Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com, and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. Behind every successful business is a story, and some of them might surprise you. Like how Chobani's first yogurt factory was discovered on a piece of junk mail, or how the founder of the multi-million dollar cosmetics brand Drunk Elephant was told by everyone, including her own mother, that the name sounded like a dive bar. I'm Guy Raz, and on my show How I Built This, I talk to founders behind the world's biggest companies and brands to learn the real stories of how they built them. In each episode, you'll hear entrepreneurs share moments of doubt and failure and talk about how they were able to overcome them on their way to the top. How I Built This is like a masterclass in innovation and creativity, a how-to guide for navigating life's challenges from the people who've done it all. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.